my work has been around love, but it's relationships, any kind of relationship. I'm doing a lot of DEI work because relationships between people who look different on the outside are very much out of balance. And whether we look the same or look different, the inside is the same. (laughs) The inside is the same. We're all human beings and hue means light. Man means being. And when I say light, I don't mean woo-woo light, although it could. What I really mean is that we're energetic beings. What makes us alive is we have energy and light running through the body. If it's not there, we're in a state called demise. We're not here anymore. And wherever you go after demise, you're there. You're not here. Welcome, trust builders. I'm Sue Dyer, and this is Lead with Trust, where we explore how leaders can build their business on a foundation of trust and reap the rewards of becoming the top performer in their market. Leaders that understand how to use and leverage trust are uniquely positioned to disrupt their industry and dominate their market. Distrust of businesses and business leaders is at an all-time high. Trusted businesses must have trusted leaders and your team, your customers, and your vendors are waiting for you to step up and elevate the level of trust in your business. My hope is that this podcast can help you start your trusted leader journey. Hi, this is Sue Dyer and welcome to another episode of Lead with Trust. And today we have one of my dear friends, Dr. Brenda Wade, as our guest. She is an author of four books and has been a regular on Dr. Oz and, and has other TV shows over the years. But her expertise is really in brain research and psychology, marrying the two together so that we can learn how to improve ourselves, improve our leadership. And so I hope you'll enjoy this episode where we dive in to thinking more about how does our brain work? How does it create love? How does it create resistance? What are the things that are creating these things? And then what are some hacks and things we can do to overcome them? So I hope you will enjoy this. I certainly enjoyed making it for you. And so let's listen in. Welcome, everyone, and welcome, Dr. Brenda Wade, to Lead with Trust. I'm so excited you're here. Oh, I'm excited to be here. So I've been looking forward to talking with you, and I love your brand, Lead with Trust. It's a whole new way to think about leadership. And what's really important in our world today is to have people we can trust. It's very difficult. Uh, Don't get me started. Maybe I should get started, because when I think about what you're doing in the work, that you're doing in the world to help leaders become, I would say, leaders with heart. Because when we feel someone's heart is in it and the heart, you know, we have those colloquialisms, your heart's in the right place, listen to your heart, follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? The heart's a brain. And if we can activate heart brain, that's where the trust comes in. So I just had to jump off with that. Well, you know, that just reminds me, it's so important, so interesting the what they're finding about how many neurons are in the heart and in the gut. Uh, I know you know a lot about that. Brain in the gut. Gut yeah. brain is real. Trust your gut and follow your gut. Same yeah. with the heart. And the heart has memory. 
It has emotional memory. So we remember if someone showed up in our life as someone we could trust. The difficulty is that this brain can come in and make up stories because we have trauma from the past. And sometimes we don't trust people who are trustworthy. Sometimes we trust people who aren't. And it's it's defining which side of the brain is being activated and how we can bring um, an awareness about the old stories that are stored in the old part of the brain and not let those run our lives. So for the leader or the person who's being led, those are things that are very important to balance. We'll have to dive in and talk more about that because it's really important for us to be able to identify what's going on within our brain and what it's telling us. And more importantly, what we're telling it and Mm -hmm. how that impacts what we, what results we get. That's even possible. Projection to what you're saying, because there's a lot of projection that happens. If we have trauma from the past and we haven't dealt with it, and we're not aware that it's activated or what does activate it, then we project. And for a leader to project or people to project onto the leader is very common. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Not always positive. So important. But I want to start off by asking a question I ask everyone. Who did you hang out with? What group did you hang out with in high school? Oh my God. I was part of the geekiest of geeky groups. Every high school has the unofficial, eclectic, weirdo, geeky group, but we were also all the student leaders. So the president of the high school, the vice president, the secretary, the treasurer, I can't even think what my title was. I think I might've been the vice president, but we had a room for the student leaders. So we all hung out in the room and hung out together and did what kids did back in the day. How fun is that? You know, it's just so interesting to see how we were ourselves, even when we were, you know, just in high school. (laughs) So, you know, I never thought about that. You're right. You're right. Uh, And I do think children show us very early who they are. It's just that they don't know it yet. And often parents don't see the signs. I don't think my parents understood being the second of seven children. I mean, come on. I had to be a leader. (laughs) I could change diapers and marshal the troops and have everybody salute, you know, by the time I was probably about eight years old. So that's great. That's funny. Yeah. So born leader there, forced into the role. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Arm twisted behind my back. So I know what I love about your work, many things, but one of the things I think is so interesting is how it's science-based, research-based in really talking about relationships and how our brain, how we think actually creates our results. Can you tell us a little bit about your research and how this sort of works for all of us? Oh, wow. Um, Thank you. That's a big question. So I'm going to start with how I got interested in the research, because I think most of us have something that occurred in our lives that draws us toward the thing that we end up doing or who we evolve into or what kind of leader we're going to be. So mine, I just mentioned a moment ago, started in childhood, being part of a really big family and taking on or being given responsibility but I resented the responsibility. Part of me was proud that I could do it, but part of me just wanted to be a kid. So being able to balance my needs 
and the needs of my family at a young age was a challenge in and of itself. And my great joy was to be able to walk up to the playground, maybe about six blocks from where we lived, and to lie on the grass and just let go. And I had this experience of being able to let go. And I felt myself like I was a light spinning in space. And that seemed just beautiful and wonderful to me. But if I said anything to someone, I would get, eh, you know, wacko. Well, fast forward, I never let go of wondering what that experience really meant. So many years later, I'm at the University of Washington as a graduate school, and I'm working on primate research, studying how prematurely born macaque monkeys learn to see and hear because our brilliant uh, researcher, Dr. Davida Teller, wanted to discover when human babies could learn to see and hear because it's diagnostic. The earlier we catch a problem, the better the intervention, the baby does better. So all of a sudden, the experience I had as a child, this kind of, if you will, out-of-body experience and beginning to understand the brain came together because I realized as I studied the brain, there's a part of us that wants to be in that meditative state, that needs to be in that meditative state. And I didn't know I was spontaneously meditating and having a sense of letting go. But if you attach that now, if you're a parent with a child with special needs, if you're a leader, if you're someone who's working in a group where the group is struggling, you know, I've done interventions and corporate work for, you know, every place in Silicon Valley, uh, government, you name it. And I found, and I know you've done a tremendous amount, that if the group can align in a meditative state, and often I don't use that word when I'm doing any kind of corporate or business work, I say bringing alignment because we can align our brains. Your brain and my brain can be in the same gear. And what it does, it steps us down, alpha, beta, delta, theta waves, and theta where we rest and the brain goes into restoration. It goes into recovery. It goes into the state that allows us to get out of anxiety, let go of stress. We can pay attention. We can learn. And we work better with other people. So I hope that's not too much of a broad sweep, but that was the beginning for me. And this is how it's been integrated into my life. And the real science part of it is understanding how the brain learns. And we all have some trauma somewhere in our lives. I've just come to accept that it's part of the human condition. Nobody gets a free pass. I have a friend that I thought had a charmed life. Oh, I just envied her invader family. I wanted to be part of that family. And then this is a clinical term, all hell broke loose. It just, it was just unbelievable the things that happened to them. And I went, okay, okay. Everybody gets their share. But if we understand that that then encodes the brain, any intense emotional experience gets coded into the brain and the brain goes up, Remember the last time you risked that? Remember when this happened? Remember how you felt over here? And as we go into that state, we begin to react from old patterns as opposed to the higher cortex where we're actually thinking, problem solving, and dare I say, leading in a way that people could trust us. Because the old brain's leading, not the higher part of the brain. 
Now, I know I've heard you talk too about how uh, what you think about, you attract to yourself. Yes. And so I'm sure those things have a fact too, but what if we have an intention? How does the brain react to that? You know, we still, my work is always left brain, right brain have to talk to each other. If you enter a new situation, automatically there's a trigger of anxiety. It's like, oh, this is familiar. This this is something that's new to me. The brain just looks for, am I safe? But if we say my brain's going to look for, am I safe in this new setting or this new role or this new way of leading or being part of a team? If you look for it before it gets you, like going into the room, okay, my brain's going to react. What I'm going to need to do is switch from right to left brain. I'm going to need to take the deep breath. Why the deep breath tells your brain it's safe. There isn't a lion in the grass. You're breathing deeply. Or you could sip some water. Oh, you're sipping water or you're having a little bite to eat. Then it must be safe in here. You can bring yourself yourself into a state of coherence. Or if you're a meditator or someone who practices CBT, you just access this all the nerve endings that read out on the side, the karate chop of the hand. A few taps with a deep breath, your brain comes back into a state of coherence. You can enter the space, enter the room, do the talk, whatever it is you need to do in a state where the higher cortex, the part that can reason and imagine and create new things, the part you use all the time, Sue, that part can come online and we need that. So it seems like we need to find like a little uh, brain hack for ourselves to get centered. And uh, so does it, does that different for every person? Do we find our own or are there, is there like a list of things that people could try? You know, there are a list of things we can try. There's been a quite a bit of research in this area. Very well done research. I don't just look at, is it research? I'm because of my background in science. I want to know that it's well done, that there've been controls and things are carefully measured and we know what's really happening. And there is excellent research in this area. One of the main research schools is UC Berkeley, the Center for Greater Good. And they've studied everything from compassion to gratefulness to just what happens if you access this emotion of love. And we know that the whole human body is a well-tuned, well, machine, I suppose I could say, but we have the three brains. And knowing which one of these brains you can hack, because I like your word hacking, this is the easiest one to hack. You can hack the heart brain. And it takes 60 seconds of tapping on the sternum. The thymus gland is right under the sternum. Thymus gland within 60 seconds releases thymus hormone, which slows down heart rate. When heart rate slows down, we come into the state we call coherence. So it's a really fast, easy way to calm down, get to coherence. So you're your best self. And it's important for us to think, am I my best self right now? Particularly, again, if you are a leader or part of a team, you want to bring your best self. Or in a relationship, I do so much relationship work, as you know. And often the reason people are fighting with each other is they haven't just taken a moment, take the breath, 60 seconds of tapping, come into coherence and set your highest intention. But you're in the state, you now can say, okay, I'm turning on head brain, heart brain. What's my highest intention? And as a leader, if you don't have a highest intention, you've lost the battle coming right out of the gate. 
I know your, your most of your work has been around love. And to me, there's a correlation between trust and love, yes. especially in a leadership role where you really need the people that are leading. You know, my definition of a leader is someone who has followers and following is 100% voluntary. So they're not <laughs> going to follow you if they don't trust you. And there's a correlation to love, but they have to have that psychological safety. Mm-hmm. In order to follow, yeah. So, you got any thoughts on on how to a leader can help their people create that psychological safety? Yeah, and my work has been around love, but it's relationships, any kind of relationship. I'm doing a lot of DEI work because relationships between people who look different on the outside are very much out of balance, and. Whether we look the same or look different, the inside is the same. (laughs) The inside is the same. We're all human beings. And hue means light. Man means being. And when I say light, I don't mean woo-woo light, although it could. What I really mean is that we're energetic beings. What makes us alive is we have energy and light running through the body. If it's not there, we're in a state called demise. We're not here anymore. And wherever you go after demise, you're there, you're not here. So this business to, and I love your question. These are such juicy questions that you have. The question of how do we access love in correlation with trust? This is very controversial because I thought a lot about this a few years ago, probably 25 years ago. I was uh, the chair of the Human Rights Commission of San Francisco. Diane Feinstein appointed me way back in the day when she was mayor. And when I joined the commission, I was very young. I was newly married. Um, soon after, I was expecting my first child. And with all of this going on in my personal life, I still wanted to contribute what I felt I could contribute, and what you know, then Mayor Feinstein thought I could contribute. And what I realized is I was in a time of my life where everything was about love. You know, my marriage, my baby, everything was just about love. And we think of love as some sort of weak, you know, sissy, oh, love your lovers. Oh, stop it. You two are in such love. Love is one of the greatest powers in the universe. Now, this has been studied also. This has been studied widely. That when the brain goes into a state of, "Mm, I love you, or "Mm, I love that, or I love that music, or I love this food, the minute we start to resonate at that frequency, now everything's been measured. And you know, there's a chart of frequency. Uh, Dr. David Hawkins, I think, did the very first one measuring states of consciousness. Anything below 200, you're losing energy. You're losing power. The body is being depleted and you're putting out a frequency wave that's negative. And we know that negative energy repels people because everybody, whether they know it or not, can feel energy. You walk in a room with somebody who's in a bad mood. You're like, "Mm, I don't want to be near this person because we feel it. But if we build frequency above 200 and start to just compassion, understanding, love, wisdom, truth, the top of the scale, enlightenment, but just below enlightenment, we get love. And if we bring love into the equation and everyone enters a room with somebody who's 
feeling, I accept you. I, I love you as a human being. I love you. I love it that you're here. I love it that we get to work together. I love it we get to have this conversation, Sue. And then I start to feel more alive and energized. My brain works better because I'm now working with this positive frequency wave. And please, those who are thinking, is she crazy? Frequency wave of love. Go look it up. The research is out there. Uh, go to the Center for Greater Good. You see Berkeley website has a lot. There are a lot of other labs, eight labs around the U.S. actually studying these kinds of principles. But you can never go wrong if you bring love into the equation, bring love into your relationship. And, you know, there's a verse from the Bible. I went to Sunday school and as a little kid, it said, love ye one another as I have loved you. And whatever spiritual practice or no spiritual practice, it doesn't matter. We just think, can I take on this challenge of learning to love others, especially those who may look differently or think differently or believe differently than myself? And that's the real challenge, I think, of this moment in history. Hi, this is Sue. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I'm so excited that my new book, The Trusted Leader, is about to launch. And if it's after February 1st, 2022, then it's already out there. And so I'm so excited because for years I've been asked to help leaders to create a high trust environment. We have worked for 35 years to go in and help leaders uh, through intervening and facilitating the development of high trust teams and businesses. And now I'm teaching leaders how to do this for yourself. And trust is so important because it's really like having your foot on the gas of your business. And in so many businesses, people are working so hard, but their foot is on the brake as well. And so you expend a lot of time, energy, resources, and you just can't get where you should or could get. And so I hope you will go and get the book now and start your trusted leader journey. You can go to www.sudico.com. Dot com slash book, and you can get the book there, and you can pre-order the book there, or you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere that you get your books. But I hope you'll go and get it and start reading it. I can't wait to get your feedback and to be on a trusted leader journey with you. Let's get back to the show. I agree. Let's let's talk about a little bit about DEI. And I know you've been doing some work there and working with a group of CEOs in Silicon Valley and others. So tell us a little bit. I, I know as a leader, love to me plays out as you got to care. Like you yes. really have to care about people and, right. and you can't fake it. People, people can feel it just like you're talking about. I don't think it takes a brain scientist to, to feel <laughs> it. You know, it's, you can walk in in five minutes, you can tell uh, whether right. or not there is caring going on in this organization, this team, uh, mm. and between the leader and, his, and their people. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more, Sue. Everyone can feel it, whether they know that's what they're feeling or not. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't really, there's even a phrase now, I don't really feel that person. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really feel you. Yeah, maybe you feel the negative stuff. <laughs> 
True. So I know you've been, we're doing a lot of work in DEI and, and it's such an important thing and it's so touchy, you know, it's like, um, people don't know what to do or they're afraid they're going to do the wrong thing. So -hmm. they don't do anything. So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about leadership and, and how to uh, really march forward in a, in a, maybe a path forward towards really a paradigm shift? Mm, Wow. Big question, Sue. Juicy question. I love it. You know, the thing with DEI is most people approach it. If you're a person of color, you know that you have lived for 450 years. I did a presentation for Greenlight Women, big group of women who run projects in Hollywood. And because they're high visuals, I put up a picture. And this picture had immigrants coming from Europe to the United States looking completely miserable. Uh, because people didn't come here for fun and frolic. They came because they were escaping poverty or war or Holocaust. They came because things were bad there. And there they were huddled on the decks of the ship. You can see the um, Statue of Liberty there. And they've got their babies and bundles of clothes and maybe grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, brother, sister. And then next one, I put a picture of African people being brought here. And they're completely alone, no family, no bundles, chains around their neck and chain behind their back. And the visual image, everyone commented that that visual image was the first time they got it. They got it, that there's a big difference to be stripped away from one's family and then for 400 years, work all day and never have a penny to show for it. So that kind of differentiation if we can hold oh very different experience historically without going into well there's just nothing I can do about it kind of a hopelessness about it the importance here is to recognize the different history and say we're at a moment in time where we can begin to correct the history we can heal we can heal the history by healing what's happening today Uh, There should be a leg up for people who didn't get a leg up for 400 years. There should be a way that people get the opportunity to learn, to grow, to study. I would never have gotten my doctorate and had the opportunities I've had were it not for two women scientists who happened to be Caucasian, who looked at me and said, you've got it, kid, and we're going to nurture you. We're going to nurture you. and they put me into their their research projects and imbued in me this love of research that I have in science. But I stood on their shoulders. I still stand on their shoulders. You know, my great mentor, Dr. Virginia Sutier, created humanistic psychology. I stand on the shoulders of others. So what's being asked in this moment is in corporate settings, in business settings, that there be a recognition of history, a recognition of the impact on the people who suffered because of the history, and that there's a leg up for both healing, integration, and opportunity. And for the people who had the privileges to not go, oh, well, here we go, I'm giving up my privileges. You're not giving up privileges. We're simply leveling the playing field so we can play together. Because all the talent, all the brilliance, 
of inventors of color. All this is, you can go online and find a million things were invented. We don't want to lose anybody's talent. We need it all right now. We need it more than ever because if we're going to have a world that survives, everyone has to be part of the solution because we're on the brink. We're on the brink. Everybody's got to come to the party now. I know Lead with Trust has listeners. We have a lot of listeners all over the world. So what kind of lessons do we have that we can share that would really help every society? Because mm-hmm. we're, I, don't, I know it's, we have unique issues in the United States, but there's similar types of things going on everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere Sue. I travel the world widely. I take people on what I call spiritual quests around the world to learn about other people's faith, to learn about other people's history, to learn about other people's lives, because we tend to be very insular. You know, it's my worldview. This is a big world. You know, I've traveled in the African continent, Asia, many, many times to Asia and India. Uh, Of course, Europe, Central South America. It's very important that we do our best to understand everyone's culture, spirituality, and their needs. And when we learn those things, two things emerge. One is every human being wants the same thing, to feel safe, to feel loved, and to feel they can take care of their own and their own families. Everyone wants it. We're out of balance. We have a tremendous amount of have-nots and a few haves. Once we understand other people, it's easier to go, well, hang on, we can solve that. And what I love about the next gen and the people that I have the privilege of working with in Silicon Valley, these are leaders who are going, well, there's a solution and I will figure it out because it's this, I'll figure it out that I love the most about the folks I work with down in the valley, just looking for a way to solve the problems of the world with some really unique interventions. And I think it can be done, but first it's the, hey, we're not over here on our little island. What affects us here affects people there. What affects people there affects us here. And may I say, if you don't believe me, take a look at the weather patterns we're generating on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is look at a COVID map. Oh, my God. Yes. And you know, Sue, thank you for saying that, because I talked with an indigenous shaman and I said, because I know he's part of a global network of shamans. I said, so what do you guys think is the reason we have COVID? He said, all over the world, they've gone into council and they came back with one thing. COVID has come to teach us to care about one another because it affects everybody. It does. So one of the things I'm hearing, I kind of hear from you is, first off, we kind of get our own love. We got to love ourselves so we can trust ourselves so that we we have the courage, the ability to move forward. But then it reminds me of um, the steps that I've seen. Like first, there has to be understanding. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to be open enough. You have to trust yourself enough to be open enough mm-hmm. to really understand. And then with understanding comes caring. And then when you care, then love begins to grow. But also you be able to create things together. Yes. So that that's when you that's when you tap into that collective wisdom, mm-hmm. where you can co-create things together that would just not be even you wouldn't see just wouldn't see it if right. you didn't really understand and and care about each other. And I think it works at a team level, at a family level, at yes. a business level, at a government level, at a world level. 
And relationships, intimate relationships, all the way through. Sue, that's a great capture. Thank you. You made that very easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so it's it's so important to spend the time to learn how to care about yourself, love yourself, yes. love the people that are close to you. And all of those are things are setting you up to really lead. So what are some things that we can do to really help us get in touch with trusting ourselves? Because how many times do we not do what we think, well, gee, that'd be cool, but we don't do it because we have fear. And the yes. fear really comes because you don't trust in yourself. Yes, that's a good point. And you know, anxiety is normal. We live in a world with a lot of anxiety. It's having the tool to say, oh, I notice I'm feeling anxiety. Or I notice I'm feeling a lack of trust in this situation or this person. First check, is it me? I gave that little checklist earlier. And then check, is there something I need to communicate to this person? I'm noticing I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. I checked myself. Some of this could be me, but what I could use from you that would be helpful is this. And to make a simple, skillful, positive request, not a blaming, you didn't do this right, or you, 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 never, nah, nah, nah. that creates distance. A skillful request is, I'm noticing this about myself, and I could use your support in this way, or I could use your help in this way. Request, request, request. Without a request, we have nothing. We can't bridge any gaps. So you got to ask. I That's think there's something in the Bible about that. Ask not probably in every single. I don't know all religions of the world yes. well, but I'll bet every religion in the world has something similar. I could not agree with you more because I've studied them all and made that part of my work to understand. And that there are twelve key principles that every faith has. Every faith has, and that's one of them. Yeah, I know love is. I, I always tell my grandson, you know, everything evolves towards the good. Yes, bad things are happening, but everything is evolving towards the good. Mm -hmm. And it evolves towards love because it's the only eternal thing. Oh, that's beautiful. Your grandson is very lucky. <laughs> so tell us from leaders that have a lot of challenges today. And, and one of the things that I am really uh impassioned around is that we have so many changes that are going to be coming to business mm -hmm. with all the technology that's coming, AI, which doesn't care, mm -hmm. and uh, the ability to amplify voices. Mm -hmm. And let's hope they're the voices that amplify trust <laughs> and not fear. But, you know, I that's why I'm on a mission to get a million yes. trusted leaders really. You know, committed. you just, you just, gave me a click. And this is like a double click. I'm in a double click on this. What just occurred to me as you said that, Sue, when you said AI doesn't care, one of the issues we're really facing is leaders who do care are the best leaders. You said that earlier, but we also have to generate that we care in a much bigger sense. We care about ourselves we care about one another, we care about those we work with, and we care about our planet. It's like somehow what you just said is so universal. It's so completely true on every level. I mean, that's like a click. Well, 
uh, that's my, my mission is to get a million leaders that commit to building their business on a foundation of trust, because I do believe that business is the economic engine of the world Mm -hmm. and where the money flows. So does policy flow. And so do people's lives. So if we can people to commit to learning, practicing and building their businesses on a foundation of trust, it will define the future. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 100%. So leave us with some advice. Give us some advice. What can we do to really become trusted leaders? The first thing is it all begins at home. You've got to take a look at what you learned growing up. And the brain is a programmable tool. You can always reprogram your own brain. You're not stuck with whatever you grew up with, if it doesn't serve you today in the highest and the best way, it doesn't mean our parents are wrong. They did the best they could with what they knew. And I accepted that long ago about my parents, given what they had to overcome it. I can't even imagine how they overcame it. So the important thing I say, number one, follow Sue's advice and learn to trust yourself. If you learn to trust yourself, which means I'm going to check myself hold myself accountable. Always, always, always ask myself, am I speaking truth with love? If you speak the truth without love, it's called brutality. Truth with love is called wisdom. So we want truth with love and to bring wisdom forward. And wisdom allows us to see the other person's point of view, to understand ourselves, and to see what's needed, what is needed in the world. And each one of us has a gift. And I'll tell you who taught me that, Sue. During my training at UW, we had a clinical training unit. We had the first classroom in the United States for Down syndrome children. And even each time I think about them, my heart skips a beat. It just did. Those children taught me what pure love is. And prior to that, they would be locked up. They'd be, you know, oh, they can't learn. They learned many of those kids up through eighth grade, just being in a safe space where people were willing to see their gifts. So know that everyone has a gift and our job is to find our own gift and give it and find everybody else's gift so they can give it. That sounds like a great way to end this episode. So everyone is challenged to hopefully, you know, your gift. If you don't, ask your family, they'll tell you <laughs> maybe <laughs> and, and help them to find their gifts. <laughs> yes. And so your gift is holding space for new possibilities in the world at the highest level. And I honor you. And I thank you for this opportunity to share with you. And the idea of having a million trusted leaders is so exciting. So I'm on board your team. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust and that wherever you're listening to this podcast, you will subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, send it to someone who you think can really use this message that you got today. And also, please leave us a review. You know, your honest review, wherever you listen to your podcasts would be much appreciated. 
And of course, the more reviews we get, the better they are, the better for the podcast. I'm truly on a mission to get more and more people to understand that trust is the essential element. So I hope you'll be part of that. You know, this show really exists to help you leaders to build your business on a foundation of trust so that you can reap the rewards of becoming that top performer in your market. I see over and over where no one can possibly reach the levels of those people that understand how to build a high trust culture in their business. Now today, if you're really curious about starting your trusted leader journey, you can get started right away if you just take the free trusted leader profile and you can learn where you fall along the trusted leader continuum. And this really can unlock your confidence on where you are and what you need to do. It's very specific on what you can do. Gives you a snapshot of your leadership style. So if you want to take that, just go to www.sudyco.com and then forward slash profile, and you will get immediate access to the trusted leader profile. Once again, that is www.sudyco.com forward slash profile. All right, that's a wrap. I just can't wait to hang out with you again on our next episode. 